The Kennedy Paradox, Chapter 12. Old Executive Office Building, Washington, D.C., Monday, February 27, 1961, 12.35 p.m. The pale green hall had more in common with a dry and hot sauna bath than an office corridor. Minkowitz sat on the wide windowsill. He wiped his brow with a handkerchief and spoke in a reassuring tone. You can convince me of the scientific and personal aspects of this, but they're going to want to know why you all of a sudden turned up. Finesse them, Patch. Patch grinned. I like you, Ray. We'll be friends in the future. We'll work closely together. You could even say that you were my mentor, but then again, I guess scientists were in short supply. The young Mankiewicz broke into laughter. Well, <laughs> you just tell Choden and Dietrich the truth. There are elements of it. Mankiewicz stared out the window at the White House. I would have been older in the future. That's pretty much true, <laughs> laughed Patch. You were 25 years older. I never thought about growing old. He put his hand on Patch's shoulder as Choden rounded the corner. They followed him across the glossy brown tiles to a varnished wood door. Choden rapped three times on the frosted glass with the stencil letters, Robert Dietrich. A thin middle-aged man with a light brown hairline slightly receding opened the door. He wore a white shirt and thin black tie, had cagey eyes and even a cagier voice. His ears beveled upward from his neatly cut hair. So the phoenix rises from the ashes of time. Not funny, said Choden as he passed. Ray? How do we turn the heat down here, Bob? asked Mankiewicz. You don't said Dietrich, not looking at him. Choden opened a solid birch door. You wait in here, Kincaid. Patch stepped inside a cooler 8 by 10 office, but the door slammed before Mankiewicz could enter. The same government-issued green paint extended inside. When he pushed on the translucent panes, the lock window didn't budge. With Mankiewicz outside, Patch's anxiety grew. As he turned and leaned against the window casing, the smaller door opened. Kate, wearing a white sweater and knee-length blue dress, entered from the next room. Katie! She ran quickly, met him halfway, and threw her arms around him. A fresh, balsam fragrance followed her. Patch, you really did make it back. It's all right, Katie, it's all right. He looked into her teary green eyes. Are you all right? She shook her head. No. What did they do to you? He asked, holding her shoulders. Did they torture you? Just long periods of questioning, sleep deprivation. They don't believe my story. No, they don't believe me either. I can't say that I blame them. At Sector 13, you said something about being taken back. Retrograde? How much time do we have? There's no way to calculate that. I didn't think the chamber would work. It works. But to 1961? Patch nodded. Way too far back. Almost inconceivable. What can we do way back here? I've thought of that over and over. I just keep telling them that U.S. cities could be destroyed in 1986. Maybe that will be enough, but we can't take any chances. I have names. Names of terrorists, but I think it goes beyond all that. What do you mean? He looked around the room for electronic bugs. They'll have to wait on that. The outside door opened and Mankiewicz popped his head inside. There he is, the new and improved Mankiewicz, said Patch. Very funny. You make me sound like a tube of toothpaste. Just give us a few minutes out here. We need to ask you both some questions. 
Tell him I want to be flown to Miami, said Patch. Oh, sure, I'll get you a first-class seat, said Mankiewicz as he closed the door. Why Miami, she asked. It's a focal point. Where did you land? In a field outside of Lansing, Michigan. Three months ago, I contacted the local FBI office and tried to locate Mankiewicz. The feds descended on the office. I first saw Mankiewicz in a hotel in Virginia six weeks ago. They kept me in the hotel room until two weeks ago, and then they brought me to a hotel here in D.C. Who questioned you? Someone named Chester Danold. Up here, in Virginia, I was questioned by a guy named Knight, as well as men named Playden and Preslin. Patch nodded. They were always low-keyed. But as I said, they kept me awake and starved. The door opened and Mankiewicz waved them inside. Patch and Kate moved through the doorway. Choden's constrained smile wavered as he spoke into the telephone. We're checking out Mousseau, A.K. Tilson, right now, Robert. That's 1986 information, Mr. Choden, said Patch. Choden smiled broadly and looked up from the phone. <laughs> so you say. It's a fact. Robert, we'll begin the questioning. Very well. Goodbye. He set down the phone and faced Patch and Kate. We are taking this matter very slowly. You want me to give you the benefit of the doubt. Well, what does that mean? asked Patch. Choden sat on the edge of the desk. He loosened his tie and turned on a large wood grain reel-to-reel -reel recorder. We have not widely dispensed knowledge of your presence here and only a small group of people are aware of this. You say you came back through time. We did come back through time, said Kate. I really don't want to hear that bullshit story again, he barked. Well, what the hell do you want, asked Patch. How about a semblance of the truth? Start with who the hell you are. We can't find anything on either of you. Patch positioned himself in front of Choden. The story isn't going to change because it is what it is. Good agents can tell good stories. My angle, as you both should have guessed by now, is to find out what your true intentions really are. Coming up with a time travel story is a remarkable leap in credibility. Come on, cut the crap. Minkowitz rushed up to Choden like a baseball manager arguing with the umpire. Bring in the other physicist, Michael. His story makes sense. It's like he solved everything we've been researching. I don't give a shit whether this thing makes sense scientifically, said Choden. He took out his gold cigarette container and moved another long-filtered cigarette. He quickly lit it with the silver lighter and expelled the smoke. What is it you want, Patch? Patch looked him squarely in the eye. I want us brought to Miami. Choden squinted through the smoke. Oh, Miami. You said that before. Ray, Jesus Christ, why Miami? Why not? I think that would put us in a better position. You are in no position to bargain for anything, my friend. Choden deepened his brow and seemed confused by Patch's request. He fixed a smile as he lifted the phone and pushed a button. Bob! Less than ten seconds later, the thin Bob Dietrich entered through another door and back. He carried a wire-rimmed notebook and several pamphlets. Mankiewicz and Choden exited through the main door and Dietrich smiled. Where did you go to school, Kincaid? Patch glanced at Kate and then back at Dietrich. Why the hell do you care? Dietrich still had not faced him. Where a man went to school says a lot about his character. I'm an Ivy Leaguer myself. So what? Let's go down and order some crepe Suzette and extra manier. 
Anybody ever tell you you're a fucking wise-ass? Said Dietrich, checking his notebook. You never went to school in this country at all, did you, Kincaid? If you think I'm some kind of agent, you're wrong. This is like a book. You see, in my favorite books, there are scenarios. And you, Kincaid, are a scenario of the unknown. You and your girlfriend have come out of nowhere claiming you've come back in time. You must think we're playing stupid. Time will tell. Oh, funny, funny, he said, pointing his index finger. You, my friend, are about to go through the gauntlet. We can bring you to Miami, sure. And you can deal with people who don't give two shits in a hat, whether you live or die. Just what kind of scenario do your book characters have, Dietrich? Dietrich pressed his incisors on his lower lip and his icy stare made Patch think he had not anticipated the question. The scenario is they're always on a mission to protect the United States of America. Maybe that doesn't impress you two. More than you think, said Kate. With a frozen face, Dietrich slowly turned. Tell me more about Operation Zepeda, Kincaid. I have no idea. I've made it clear to Ray that we have more vital information. Information that will affect the future of millions of people. Clearly, I'm not the one with the imagination, said Dietrich. Why Miami, Kincaid? Why? Patch took a deep breath, still not comfortable about giving out information. Some of the players in the future are involved in the Cuban struggle now. Well, well, so it all comes to nest in Cuba. We broke off diplomatic relations with Fidel in January. It's Zepeda, isn't it, Kincaid? Or have you been working with knowledge of AC Rav? What? He studied Patch's face. Do you have a Russian connection? No. Russian affiliations are not taken kindly by those who have put their lives on the line for freedom. I would only warn you that neither of you will last long in Miami if you have Soviet links. And I don't think I have to tell you that the United States has a vested interest about what goes on in Cuba. And so do I. Well, you damn well should. Why? told you there are individuals working here who will affect changes in history. Don't insult me! He walked over to the window and looked outside for the longest time. Okay, you win. He pointed his finger at Patch. If you say or do anything suspicious in Miami, you're dead. I want Mankiewicz with me. Agreed! Dietrich eyed him like a wax figurine. I don't make upper-level decisions. I leave that to Little Kennedy and Big Kennedy. But I know for a fact that if you don't give us something, this operation is much too important internationally. We will eliminate you. I'll get you something, Mr. Dietrich. I promise, once I'm in Miami.